And let's let people know that we've been drinking wine during the podcast. Right, Ed? Oh, I don't know if they should know that or not. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Welcome to The Conversation by ELL Media Network. I'm Ed Stone French. This is a radio news podcast for American news, culture, and information for English language learners. We're English language educators who have created this show to talk about American news, culture, and politics for the benefit of English language learners. We're using simple language accessible to the second language learner to introduce them to current issues in American culture and society. Our guest today is Noga Laor. Today- Hi, Ed. Hi, Noga. <laughs> Today's show is about the results of the presidential election. I want to welcome Noga Laor to the show today. She is the director of the ESL program at Long Island University in Brooklyn. Hi, Ed. Hi. So tell us a little bit about what you do. Uh, Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show today. Um, I am the director of ESL programs at Long Island University in Brooklyn, as you mentioned, and I primarily work with um, ESL students, some international students who are uh, coming to the United States for a short period of time, for maybe a year or two, and then are going back to their countries. Some who have come to the United States specifically to um, study at the university level, and many who are either citizens or permanent residents here in the United States who have recently arrived and are looking to improve their English. And we work with students from all over the world, but primarily from Eastern Europe. Um, We work with a lot of students from Russia, Uzbekistan, Ukraine, Georgia, uh, Moldova, uh, that area. We also work with a lot of students from Turkey, from Saudi Arabia, from India, and from China. Um, So we, you know, our student body is pretty diverse. Great. Uh, I I know it well because I also uh, work with you there Mm -hmm. and I work with a lot of the students um, as well. Um, so to go ahead and dive into today's, uh, topic, uh, this is the first episode since the U S presidential election. And I'm sure that many of you, I'm sure probably all of you know by now that Donald Trump has won the U S presidential election or is on his way to being confirmed by the electoral college. Uh, If you need any deep information about the Electoral College, I refer refer you to our previous episode just a few weeks about it. Uh, We we have to do a little bit of um, explanation because our guest at that time, Aaron Hawley, said that he was almost positive that Trump would not win the election. And uh, I also believed him, as did many, many others. Uh, That has proven to be wrong. Uh, Something happened in the election that nobody really anticipated. I do plan on doing episodes in the future that go into more depth about that. We did also talk about the possibility that you, somebody can win the, 
the popular vote for president and still lose the electoral college. That happened in, uh, what was that? That was in 2000. 2000 with George W. Bush. So that's now happened again with Donald Trump. Uh, the results, the electoral results were 232 for Hillary Clinton and 290 for Donald Trump. Uh, the popular vote was, was about 62,400,000 for Clinton and about um, 61 million for Donald Trump. The difference being about one, what was that, 1.3 million, about. Uh, so Clinton won by a whole percentage point over Trump, <clears throat> but she lost the critical states of Pennsylvania, Ohio, uh, Michigan, Florida, and Wisconsin. Uh, these were v very big losses for Democrats, as Mich especially Michigan and Wisconsin are traditionally Democratic states, uh, and Pennsylvania is also very strongly Democratic. And Ohio and Florida have both gone very Democratic in the last uh, few elections. So... Um, Many people are surprised about this outcome, uh, and there has been a a lot of uh, um, a lot of very strong emotions about this outcome. I have you Noga. Have you experienced any? Have you are you able to relate stories of how people have? Re responded to it. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, this was difficult for me as well. So I can share my own personal experiences too. But I just want to go back for a moment and say that uh, when your, your previous guest on the podcast, Aaron, when he predicted that Clinton would win the Electoral College, as you said, he wasn't the only one. Most political pundits, most of the political polls predicted a Clinton victory. There were a few outliers out there that predicted a Trump win, um, but they weren't, um, th they were the exceptions, not the rule. And even the Trump campaign predicted that Hillary Clinton would win the election. So I don't think we should feel um, very bad that we were amongst those who thought that, that Clinton would win. Um, but the, I would say the day after the election or the few days after the election or even the week after the election were very, very difficult um, for a lot of people who uh, voted for Hillary Clinton or who thought Hillary Clinton would win the election. Um, for me personally, it was difficult to accept the results of the election. I know that a lot of the people that I work with, and especially a lot of that are a lot of the students that we work with, expressed their um, fears about what would happen to them as as immigrants uh, living here in the United States. Um, many of them as Muslims living here in the United States. What would happen to them under a Trump presidency? Because it's no, uh, you know, it's no secret that um, 
Trump has spoken out against immigration, specifically illegal immigration to the United States during his campaign. Um, he also spoke out against uh, Muslims during his campaign, right? Uh, putting forth the idea of a Muslim registry, putting forth the idea of banning immigration to Muslims from certain countries. Um, so a lot of people are, are afraid. A lot of people are not sure what's going to happen to them or their families. Um, a lot of people who are from minority communities, who are people of color, or who are, like I said, Muslims, or who are um, gay or lesbian, or who are Jewish, or even women um, have been feeling very, very nervous after the outcome of the election. And we'll talk about this in a little while, but uh, you see that nervousness um, in certain uh, acts that have been committed against people um, in the protests that we've been seeing all around the country. Um, so it hasn't been an easy time uh, for a lot of people in the, United in the United States right now, especially those who felt targeted by Donald Trump during his campaign. I would like to go on and um, talk about what happened right after the election because there were reports of attacks and um, hate crimes, um, um, vand some vandalism, some things like this. Um, do you have any idea what, uh, or do you have any specific uh, ideas about that? Or examples? Y examples. Yeah, um, so there has been have been reports of a rise of hate crimes around the country. If any of our listeners have a Twitter account, um, there have been a lot of reports on Twitter about um, hate crimes. Um, here in, on the East Coast, you know, in New York or New Jersey specifically, there have been reports of Muslim women whose hijabs have been pulled off in the street and people yelling Trump um, to them. There have been reports of school children taunting um, their Latino uh, classmates, saying that Trump will build a wall and you're all going to have to leave the country. You can find all of these uh, examples and also videos online. Um, there was vandalism at one of the universities here in New York. Um, there was a swastika spray painted on one student's or a few students' uh, dorm rooms. Um, there was an incident uh, of vandalism just uh, in the past few days at a, at a playground in Brooklyn, New York, where a swastika was uh, spray painted. Um, uh, with the words go Trump underneath it. So we've had a lot of, um, we've had a lot of, or we've been hearing a lot of reports of hate crimes recently um, against immigrants, against Muslims, against uh, homosexuals, uh, against Clinton supporters. Did you hear about the woman who was punched in the face at, uh, um, a, that in, res a restaurant. in a restaurant in Brooklyn the other day, mm -hmm. she and her friend were having a discussion mm -hmm. 
there were Clinton supporters. They were having a discussion about the election, and uh, there was another couple sitting next to them um, that, uh, I, I guess, started harassing them. The women asked to be moved. They were moved to another table. The other couple left, and then the gentleman from the other couple came back to the, into the restaurant and, and hit one of the women. He punched her in the face. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, it, that just shows you that not only are emotions very high and people are, are feeling very angry, I guess, about the results of the election, but that they're also demonstrating this anger in hate crimes against, against people. And honestly, that's, to me, that's really sad and it's really scary because it's 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 scary to think about the fact that we you know some people might not be safe do in you, this country. Do you think that uh, the election uh, has legitimized these sorts of activities for people? I do, I do, because like I said, it was clear that Trump Trump's campaign was a campaign that, let's just say that Trump wasn't uh, shy during the campaign to speak out against immigrants, to speak out against uh, Muslims, um, to speak out against um, people in the LGBT community, uh, to speak out um, against women, and Throughout the election, we kept saying, you know, what he's saying is unacceptable. There's no way that he can win. Um, No one would vote for a man who speaks this way about women. And no one would vote for a man who speaks this way about Latinos. No one would vote for a man who speaks this way about Muslims. But it turns out that a lot of people did vote for him. Um, So now that he's won, it's it's almost as though some people have been given um, the green light to go out and actually act upon these feelings. So, for example, Donald Trump spoke out against Muslims during the campaign, so now that he's won, it's okay for us to go and attack Muslims. Donald Trump spoke out against... um, against women during the campaign, so now it's okay for us to attack women or, um, or harass women on the street. Donald Trump spoke out against immigrants, so now it's okay for, now that he's won, it's okay for us to commit crimes against immigrants. So yes, I think that, that him winning the election has given some of his supporters, and not all of them, because obviously not all of his supporters are acting this way, but it has given some of his supporters um, the the idea that that it's okay to do these things now, and I don't think that's a difficult thing to understand. So, do you think people uh, should feel threatened? Um, you know, I don't think I'm the best person to ask that question to because I'm a white woman. Uh, I'm not a person of color. Um, I'm a straight woman, you know. I, 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 I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm Jewish, but I don't wear my, 
you know, you can't tell that I'm Jewish just by looking at me, right? So I'm not a Muslim woman who's wearing a hijab, for example. So it's, I think it's difficult for me to say whether or not people should feel scared. Um, but I, I know that a lot of people do feel scared, and I think that's a, a legitimate feeling that they have. Um, it, just as a woman, just speaking as a woman, because, uh, uh, you know, Donald Trump spoke out against women during the campaign, really um, didn't speak well of women during the campaign. Uh, I, that doesn't make me feel good as a woman, and it makes me feel like somebody might say something to me on the street or might feel that it's okay, you know, to to harass me on the street now. Um, that hasn't happened, thank goodness, but, but yes, I feel like that may happen. Um, I'm also... You know, like I said, I'm also Jewish, and we'll talk about this in a little while, but um, there are certain people that Donald Trump is now working with in the government, in his new government, uh, that don't have very friendly thoughts about Jews, you know? Um, so that, that frightens me as well. So do I think people have the right or should feel threatened? Absolutely. Um, although, like I said, I'm not the best person to ask about it, but I think that how they feel is very legitimate. Do you have any advice for immigrants living in the U.S. right now? Um, I think it's important to remember that the United States has always been a country that has welcomed immigrants. We are a country of immigrants. That doesn't mean that we've always treated immigrants in the best possible way. Um, you know, uh, when, when, you know, the, the Italians first started coming to the United States or the Irish, they were discriminated against as well. But eventually, um, you know, they were accepted into society. So the United States has a very long history with immigrants. Um, so I, what I would, just as, just as a person working in the ESL field, in the English as a second language field, I would also tell immigrants that there are a lot of people in the United States who are very, very accepting of immigrants who believe that the United States is a diverse nation and should continue to be a diverse nation. And also to keep in mind that, as you mentioned, Ed, despite the fact that Donald Trump has won the presidency, there were more people who voted for Hillary Clinton than voted for Donald Trump, meaning there are more people who support her ideas or who are supportive of immigrants, who are supportive of diversity in this country than people who are not. And, I haven't seen any. I haven't seen any statistics on this uh, yet. But I also don't believe that every single person who voted for Donald Trump is a racist or a homophobe or um, a xenophobe um, or an anti-Semite. I don't believe that. Um, I believe that people voted for him for a number of different reasons. So I think that what immigrants need to keep in mind is that we are a diverse country. We are very welcoming of immigrants. We've always been welcome, welcoming, welcoming of immigrants. And we will continue to 
uh, to do so. And there are a lot of people in this country that, um, like I said, that supported Hillary Clinton and that support diversity in this country. Right. I would point out that um, I, th I think a lot of people voted for Trump primarily for economic reasons. Um, so uh, even the um, 61 million people that voted for Trump, uh, an awful lot of them are motivated more for economic reasons. Right. Uh, he did at some point mention that he wanted to get rid of sanctuary cities. Uh, could you tell us first what is a sanctuary city and what has been the response since then? Sure. Um, a sanctuary, there are, several, there are a lot of sanctuary cities in the United States, but a sanctuary city is a, um, a city, usually a big city like New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, a city where there are a lot of immigrants, um, where there is a policy that law enforcement, so police officers or, um, you know, the government of the city will not go out and actively ask immigrants to prove whether they are in this country legally or illegally. So, for example, in New York City, which is a sanctuary city, a police officer cannot come up to any person on the street and say, I'd like to see your ID. They can't do that, okay, um, unless someone has committed a crime. So law enforcement can't take on that role. Also, in sanctuary cities, if the government um, says, you know, says, uh, okay, police officers now need to go out and find out, go out into the streets and find out who's a legal immigrant and who's an, illegal, an illegal immigrant, uh, law enforcement or police officers in sanctuary cities do not have to do that because sanctuary cities actually protect all of its all of their people. Um, so that's what a sanctuary city is. In uh, his 100-day plan, so his for his first 100 days in office, one of Trump's points was that he would eliminate sanctuary cities. And several mayors of sanctuary cities around the uh, United States, so Mayor Bill de Blasio in New York, Rahm Emanuel in Chicago, and mayors in a lot of other cities have actually come out and made public statements that they will not go along uh, with this mandate from the Trump government, that they will continue to be sanctuary cities where all of uh, their citizens can feel safe. So that, I think, should make all people, uh, but mostly uh, immigrants in our sanctuary cities, uh, feel safe or safer uh, because the representatives of the cities, the mayors, have actually come out and said, don't worry, we respect you, we love you, we want you here, and we will protect you. Uh, great. Uh, I'd like to mention that there... Um are a number of resources available if you uh, feel like you are in any trouble or need any additional advice, legal or otherwise. Uh, we will be posting some of that on our blog. Uh, 
uh, at <clears throat> excuse me the um, that is the conversation ell.blogspot.com Uh, also, we would like to hear any stories if you have any yourself. So please feel free to contact us with any stories or information that you might have uh, from your own experiences. Uh, Noga, what is this going to mean for students of English? Well, that's a great question. <laughs> um, because I have to tell you that I have been working in the field of ESL, English as a Second Language, for over 20 years. And I've never seen the industry, our industry, react in such a way as it did after the election. Um, a lot of international uh, organizations for students of other languages have um, put out official statements saying that we continue to support all students, all educators, all immigrants from all over the country and we continue to be inclusive. Um, but the industry itself, uh, we are very concerned about what a Trump presidency would mean for students coming from other countries who want to study English in the United States or students coming from other countries who just want to study in the United States, not necessarily English, or for people coming from other countries who want to work in the United States in all industries. Um, so it is very worrisome. Even if the Trump administration doesn't create any, uh, any laws or any barriers towards students of English uh, who want to come to study in the United States, if there is a feeling, if there's a sense internationally that the United States is not supportive and is not inclusive and doesn't want uh, people from other countries studying within its borders or studying with us, that might reduce the number of students who are coming to study in the United States. And that's something that, um, you know, is very uh, hurtful or problematic for us because these are the people that we work with. These are the people that we love. These are the people that we help. Uh, these are the people who have a dream of coming to the United States to build a new life for themselves, to improve their English, um, to get a better job, to have a better future for their children. And we want to continue providing them um, the services that we provide them. Um, we want them to continue coming to the United States, but I'm not going to lie when I say that the industry is very, and when I say the industry, I mean the ESL industry, uh, when the industry is very nervous about what a Trump presidency will mean for it. Um, will students stop coming to the United States? Will they choose to go to study in Canada or England or Australia? We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen, but we hope that they continue to come um, and study in the United States because, like I said, the United States has always been very accepting of people from all over the world. We're a country of immigrants. Uh, have there been any interesting anecdotes or responses that you've uh, read about or heard about uh, in the industry? No. Okay. So you can take that question out. Okay. Yeah, I will. 
<laughs> nope, nothing at all. Not yet. I, it's just, it's too soon to tell. You know, I mean, the election was, what, a week and a half ago? Yeah. Um, so uh, I don't know if anybody's canceling their flights yet. I mean, Trump isn't even in power yet. Mm -hmm. So if you're a student... Um, if you're a student who has planned to come and study in the United States for a month, you know, for the month of December, for example, well, you're not necessarily going to cancel your, your, your plans, right? Mm -hmm. You're still going to come and do that. Um, what's going to happen six months from now, a year from now, a year and a half from now, two years from now? We're just going to have to wait and see. Okay. So what happens now with... Uh, Trump and the Trump administration. It's transitioning into power. Uh, they are lining up appointments and uh, trying to figure out what happens next. Um, do you know, can you tell us who's on the list? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, well, as uh, we all know, Trump isn't the president yet. He's the president-elect, and he will be sworn into office on January 20th. So we've got about two more months, right, of an Obama presidency mm -hmm. um, before Trump gets sworn in. However, even though Trump is not the president yet, he is starting to um, name people and appoint people for key cabinet positions, which is what happened, which is what every president does. And... One of the biggest concerns um, in terms of the appointments that Trump has made, other than the fact that so far he has only appointed white men to all of the cabinet positions, so no women and no people of color at all, and also uh, people uh, with very conservative um, points of view, which is not surprising because Trump... Is, is well, he won the he won as a Republican, so they tend to be more conservative. Yep. Um, but one of the the most disturbing appointments was that he has named um, Steve Bannon as his political advisor. Um, so political advisor means that this is a person who basically gives the president advice about all things political, all things in the government. So a president's political advisor has a lot of influence, theoretically, historically, over the president. And Steve Bannon is the, um, is the executive chairman of Breitbart News, which is a far-right American news outlet. Far-right means that their points of view are not only very conservative, but um, the viewpoint of Breitbart News tends to be very anti-Semitic, which means that they don't support the Jews, um, anti-people of color, anti-the LGBTQ community. Um, so this is some scary stuff and a lot of people 
have spoken out against the appointment of Steve Bannon as Trump's political advisor, both Democrats, Democrats and Republicans. So this is a, a bipartisan issue, right? This is something that both Democrats and Republicans, not all of them, but most of them can agree on. But I think that's the, 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 the appointment that has most people worried. Because again, um, as you asked earlier about whether or not Trump winning the presidency legitimizes hate crimes or harassment or attacks against minorities, well, appointing somebody who is a known anti-Semite, homophobe, uh, xenophobe, uh, to as your political advisor again legitimizes the fact that um, that it's okay it's okay to be all of these things um, and I think we saw that was it earlier this week in in the uh, rally that the Ku Klux Klan held for Trump in North Carolina right celebrating his presidency so. Um, that's, uh, that's something that's making a lot of people very nervous. Just as an example of the kind of thing you find on Breitbart, I was looking at this earlier today with my wife. Uh, the title of the article is, Here's Why There Ought to Be a Cap on Women Studying Science and Maths. And the article argues that women should not... Uh, uh, that there should be a limit to the number of women studying science, uh, technology, and mathematics uh, because um, uh, women need special treatment because they're fragile, delicate wallflowers who cry a lot. Uh, and then it goes on to make other similar arguments within the, within the article. Uh, my wife and I laughed about this, but it's not exactly funny when the 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 publisher of this article now uh, has the ear of the president. Right. I don't think it's funny at all. And Breitbart News is actually considered to be a legitimate news organization, right? We've been hearing a lot about fake news recently. There have been a lot of reports about fake news stories on Facebook um, that have been circulating. Um, and these are true fake stories. These are stories that people just made up. Um, and we can talk about that later on, or you can talk about that in a later show. Um, but Breitbart News is considered a legitimate news organization. They report the news, but they report the news with a very, very uh, right-wing um, viewpoint. And uh, that article that you just mentioned, obviously, was an opinion piece, right? Right. Um, but those are the types of opinion pieces that they publish, right? That... Uh, women shouldn't hold, uh, you know, positions in, you know, the science and math industries because, you know, they're not up to it because they can't do it, like you said, because they're fragile. And these are, you know, scary ways of thinking. Okay, so there have been uh, a lot of protests, a lot of resistance to Trump. Uh, I know that there's a lot of organizing going on. Uh, a lot of um, a lot of people are getting ready to resist Trump at every moment. 
uh, have you see uh, do you have your own examples of this have you seen this happening yeah um i think that people have been protesting in a lot of different ways um so the first is people going out into the streets and actually protesting uh the not protesting necessarily the results of the election but protesting trump himself um and there have been protests in in a, in many major cities in the United States, um, a lot uh, here in New York, uh, where we work, um, protests in different parts of the city, um, with the protesters eventually moving to Trump Tower, which is where Trump lives, um, and may, might continue to live during his time as president. We haven't spoken about that, but that's uh, I, that's I, problematic too. I saw it confirmed that uh, Melania Trump, his wife, mm-hmm. And I think her son, his mm-hmm. his youngest son, would indeed be staying in New York. Right. There have been uh, reports that Trump himself also wants to split his time between Washington, D.C. and New York. So he wants to spend, let's say, part of the week in Washington at the White House and part of the week in New York. Um, the mayor of New York City, Bill de Blasio, has actually spoken out against that because it would be very expensive for the city of New York to provide um, security for uh, the president of the United States if he spends half of his week in in the city. Um, it would also cause gridlock, meaning that uh, it would be very problematic for traffic, right, for people who are driving because some streets would have to be closed off. Um, so Bill de Blasio has already spoken out against it. And also the CIA have also spoken out against it, um, saying that they don't have the money to protect Trump uh, while he's in New York. You know, if you're living in the White House, the White House already has security, right? It's already in place. But if you have to take that security and move it three or four days a week to Mm -hmm. another city, that's very expensive. And do you know who pays for all of that, Eddie? We do. We do. That's right. <laughs> the taxpayers do. So this would cost us tens of millions of dollars, and people are not happy about that either. But going back to the protests, um, people have been protesting. People have been going out into the street. People have been speaking out against uh, Donald Trump. Um it's great to see people protesting because they're exercising their constitutional right to free speech. Um, and I think it's also very important because people are angry. So instead of going out and punching somebody in the face, <laughs> as we just spoke about, um, it's better to go out and have a peaceful protest, even if you're angry to go out and protest. But Um, People have been protesting in other ways, too. Uh, Donations to Planned Parenthood, donations to NARAL, donations to the ACLU. These are organizations that protect the rights of women, protect the rights uh, for choice um, in terms of um, reproductive rights that work on behalf of immigrants. They have reported that they've seen their donations go up significantly since Trump was elected, and people are doing that because they are actually afraid that um, uh, funding will be taken away from these organizations. Um, I, I think I saw that um, a lot of people are giving donations to Planned Parenthood, but putting it in the name of Mike Pence, the new vice president, uh, 
so on record, Mike Pence has now donated a lot of money to Planned Parenthood. Right. And I am one of the people that did that. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of the 20,000 plus donations that people have made to Planned Parenthood in the name of Mike Pence. And the reason that people are doing that in the name of Mike Pence is because Mike Pence is very conservative. He's very pro-life, which means that he does not believe that abortion should be legal in the United States, which it is. It has been since 1973, since the Supreme Court passed uh, um, a case called Roe v. Wade. Um, and Mike Pence is also very, very much against uh, the rights of um uh, LGBTQ folks, so against the rights for of gays and lesbians, he's against same-sex marriage. He's very, very, very conservative, probably more conservative than Donald Trump when it comes to these issues. So people are very, very scared. Um, so yes, as a sign of protest, because as I said, there are many different ways to protest, people have been, like you said, donating to Planned Parenthood, but in Mike Pence's name, which means that every time a donation is made in Mike Pence's name, he gets a thank you letter from <laughs> Planned Parenthood. <laughs> Say thank you, saying thank you for for um, for donating. And for our our students or our listeners who don't know, Planned Parenthood is an organ it it is an organization um, that helps a lot of men and women, both, um, uh, with um, um, birth control, um, medical exams. Uh, they do a lot of um, outreach in terms of education, educating people about um, sexually transmitted diseases, being safe, um, and of course, they also provide abortion services, but it's uh, not the not the main thing that they do. They do a lot of um, really important work for both men and women out there. Um, so a lot of people have been donating to them. So as I said, um, people have been protesting in a lot of ways, actually going out into the street protesting and also in terms of donations and in terms of volunteering for organizations, volunteering for organizations that help immigrants, volunteering for organizations that help uh, folk in the LGBTQ community. Um, so people have been doing a lot. And honestly, I think that that's very encouraging uh, for us who feel discouraged after the election because it shows that um, even though we're upset, even though we're sad about what happened, we're still going to go out and and do our part and show that we do um, appreciate everyone and want to work with everyone, um, even if it is not in the name of Donald Trump. Just another thing that happened in the news the last few days that's more, uh, it's a little funny to relate uh, than serious, but Mike Pence went to the theater uh, the other night. On Friday night. On Friday night. Mm -hmm. And he saw a show called Hamilton. To give a little bit of background, Alexander Hamilton is one of the founding fathers of the country. Uh, he was not president, but he was very important in a lot of the early ideas of the American re Republic. 
So this is a musical on Broadway that's been very, very popular. Uh, Mike Pence showed up. And all of the, the majority of the cast members of Hamilton, the actors, are people of color. That's important to mention as well. Interesting. I haven't seen it, so yeah. I wasn't aware mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. But um, so word got around that uh, Mike Pence was in the audience. And uh, do you want to tell us what the audience, what the, what the cast members did? Right. So Mike Pence went to see Hamilton, which I think is great. I haven't seen it either, but I've heard that it's a wonderful (laughs) show. And I think that um, we should all be supporters of the arts (laughs) and and theater is one of the arts. Um, So Mike Pence went to see Hamilton. Um, From my understanding, the majority of the people in the audience didn't know that he was there. How could they? Um, But the cast members did uh, know that he was in the audience. And at the end of the show... Um, right after the cast members, um, right after, you know, when the cast members were on stage, but the show had ended, um, they, um, the actor who plays Aaron Burr, I don't know what his name is. He actually made a speech and he said, uh, something to the effect of, I don't know if, uh, all of you know, but Mike Pence, uh, is in the audience tonight. The audience started to boo Mike Pence uh, the actor asked them to stop booing, and they did. And he, uh, he went on to read a statement from the cast, basically thanking Mike Pence for coming to see the show, but also saying that many of them were scared and troubled by the idea of a Trump presidency and the fact that um, a Trump presidency was not inclusive of people of color minorities, etc., and that uh, they all hope that uh, that Mike Pence and Donald Trump and the presidency would hold up um, everybody's inalienable rights. So all of our rights to, um, uh, you know, as citizens of the United States. And that's what happened on Friday night. Of course, this was recorded because people had their cell phones out so you can just watch it online google mike pence hamilton and you can see the video um and after the performance or perhaps it was i think it was the next morning uh it was saturday morning donald trump put out a series of tweets which i don't think anybody is surprised about eddie because our this Donald Trump tweets a lot, right? Yes, do you have a right. Twitter account? I do. You do? Do you use it? No. Okay, I don't have a Twitter account, <laughs> but I know that he tweets a lot. Um, so his first tweet um, said, "Our wonderful, our wonderful future Vice President Mike Pence was harassed last night at the theater by the cast of Hamilton. Cameras blazing. This should not happen." Then he put out another tweet. The theater must always be a safe and special place. The cast of Hamilton was very rude last night to a very good man, Mike Pence. Apologize. And then once again, the cast and producers of Hamilton, which I hear is highly overrated, should immediately apologize to Mike Pence for their terrible behavior. And there were a lot of people who were very, very angry about uh, Donald Trump's reaction. Um not because not because you know you necessarily think that 
okay, somebody should be able to go to a theater performance and not be spoken to by the cast, okay? But in the United States, we have a constitutional right to free speech. And that's something that's very, very important here in our country. And it doesn't exist in every country, right? So here, if you speak out against a political leader, if you speak out against the president, you're not going to be arrested. You're not going to be killed, <laughs> okay? And that happens in some places. You are allowed to say what you think. We have the right to free speech, which is why, despite a lot of protests, the Ku Klux Klan was able to rally in, in favor of Donald Trump this past Tuesday, because whether or not you agree with what the Ku Klux Klan stands for or what they have to say, they are citizens of this country and they have the right to free speech and they have the right to demonstrate, just like the protesters who are demonstrating against Donald Trump have the right to free speech and they have the right to demonstrate. So the fact that our president-elect came out on a social media platform, which is Twitter, telling the cast of Hamilton, so telling United States citizens that they should apologize to Mike Pence for having said what they said, or that they should not be allowed to make those types of statements, which he said, he said, this should never, this should not happen, is very, very problematic because it goes against our right to free speech here in this country. So even though Donald Trump didn't like what they said, what the cast said to Mike Pence, the cast has every right to say it and he should support their right. So when you're asking me, you know, when you ask me, you know, uh, or, you know, if, when people talk about what's going to, to happen with this administration or how do they feel after the election, this is what makes people scared. This is what worries people that we have a president elect who doesn't necessarily support free speech or who doesn't support speech that goes against him. Because he didn't come out to say anything against the Ku Klux Klan rally. And right. he shouldn't have, but he didn't. And yet he came out to speak against a group of actors on Broadway making a short speech to the vice president of the United States. So it makes people very, very worried. Are we going to, you know, is Donald Trump going to protect our right to free speech or is he not? And, uh, People were very, very worried um, on the Wednesday after the election as well. Uh, that's when our pro when protests started. And Donald Trump also sent out a tweet saying that people shouldn't protest. And again, that's that should be very scary. That That's very scary and it should be very worrisome to anybody living in this country. Okay. Um, our last topic, uh, last series of questions. What kind of president will Trump be? I don't know. I have no idea. And the reason that I don't know is because he has been very, very inconsistent uh, throughout his campaign and even in the past week and a half since he's been elected president. Um, you know, he, he campaigned... Um, 
on the premise that he would build a wall between the United States and Mexico and have Mexico pay for it. And now that he's elected, he's saying that, well, maybe Mexico won't pay for it. Or maybe it won't be a wall. Maybe it'll be a fence. Maybe there won't be a wall at all. Who knows? Um, he came out, I'm sorry, during his campaign, he came out against Obamacare, um, the Affordable Care Act that, you know, over 20 million people in the United States are covered by Obamacare, saying that Obamacare should be repealed, which means that we should take it away, right? We should eliminate it. And now he's saying, well, maybe we should keep parts of it. Um, he uh, came out or during his campaign, he talked, he spoke against same-sex marriage, right? Against the right that uh, gays and lesbians have the right to get married. Now he's saying that that probably won't change. So he's extraordinarily inconsistent. So what kind of a president will he be? I don't know. I, I have no idea. Um, from what I've seen so far in terms of the reactions that he's had to um, things that have been happening, uh, in the country to the people that he's been appointing to his cabinet. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. I, I'm scared and I think we should, we should all be. Um, but I, I have no idea what kind of president he'll be. He has no political experience. He has no legislative experience. I have no idea what he's going to do in the white house. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, that is our show. I want to thank Nogala Orr for being our guest on our show. Thank you for listening. Please follow us and download our podcast. Tell your friends to listen as well. Feel free to email us with comments and questions at ellmedianetwork at gmail.com. Our audio engineer is Sarah Ibrahim. The conversation is for educational purposes only, and the opinions expressed in the show are not necessarily the opinions of the show, hosts, or guests. I am Ed Stone French. And I'm Nogala Orr. We are The Conversation on EOL Radio Network. See you next time. <laughs>